amazing? Uh, this church is, the Lord is constantly asking you guys to be in prayer. Come and pray. And she picks up a stranger who says that. He talked about prayer and how we need to come back to prayer. He also said, he re- re- reiterated that he wished that God would just bring him home. He seemed a bit impatient, but then he said that Jesus can't come back now because the people are not ready. And since God is merciful, compassionate, and loving, he would wait for a while. But it won't be long before Jesus comes. Later on, he said, he said things are changing in America fast and that Jesus is returning soon. But now, but now because people aren't ready yet and they need to hear the word. That's what we've gathered here today, it is to hear the word. It made me think about the verse I gave you last week in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Who was that stranger on the road that day? Interesting. Also, don't forget our memory verse that's in your bulletin there. We... um, would like you to start learning Second Corinthians chapter five, fifteen through twenty. But verse twenty is really important related to our message. It says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this morning's message we're going to be looking at Luke chapter eight, one through twenty nine. The title of my sermon is So Take Care How You Listen. This is quite an exciting passage. I really enjoyed putting this together and, and again, learned so much more out of this, this time around. But it made me think about that title. So take care how you listen. Are we really listening to the Word of God? I came across this story written by Randy Lekalite. I'd like to read it to you. There was a man who got lost in the desert. After wandering around for a long time, his throat became very dry about the time he saw a little shack in the distance. He made his way over to the shack and found a water pump with a small jug of water and a note. The note read, Pour all the water into the top of the pump to prime it. If you do this, you will get all the water you need. Now the man had a choice to make. If he trusted the note and poured the water in and it worked, he would have all the water he needed. If he didn't, If it didn't work, he would still be thirsty and he might die. Or he could choose to drink the water in the jug and get immediate satisfaction. But it might not be enough and he still might die. After thinking about it, the man decided to risk it. He poured the entire jug into the pump and began to work the handle. At first, nothing happened and he got a little scared. But he kept going, and water started, to, started coming out. So after water came out, he drank all he wanted, took a shower, and filled all the containers he could find, because he was willing to give up a momentary satisfaction. He got all the water he needed. Now, the note also said, after you have finished, please refill the jug for the next traveler. The man refilled the jug, and he added to the note, Please prime the pump. Believe me, it works. We have the same choice to make. Do we hold on to what we have because we won't 
believe that there are better things in store for us and settle for immediate satisfaction? Or do we trust God and give up all that we have to get what God promised us? I think the choice is obvious. We need to pour all the water out. Trust God with everything. Then once we have experienced what God has to offer, which is the living water, we need to tell other people. Go ahead, prime the pump. Believe me, it works. So take care how you listen. It's a choice every time we look at different things. So as we look at Luke chapter 8, if you'd open your Bibles there with me, once you're thinking about what you're going to read here, this note that Jesus left us to look at, and he's asking us to follow these instructions, to trust him, to give it all we've got. In this chapter, it's a chapter of faith. It's about applying what you hear to use it in our everyday lives, to do something with the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. In verse 21, at the end it says, to go and do it. That's Jesus' words. To go and do it. The first section we'll look at, Jesus lays the foundation by teaching the disciples about faith. And faith comes through receiving the word of God into an understanding heart. So this morning, open up your heart, your ears, and listen carefully to what Jesus is saying in this. Because life is going to test our faith. And when we face these tests and trials and challenges, we grow closer to God. Or not. It depends. A cynical American editor, H.L. McKinn, defined faith as an illogical belief In the occurrence of the impossible. Mark Twain said through one of his characters. That faith is believing what you know ain't so. In Luke chapter 1 verse 37. What did it say there? What did the angel say to Mary? God is God of the impossible. These men are describing superstition. Not faith. The faith of a Christian rests on solid foundations. On the word of God. Christian believer bases his faith. On the word of God. This faith requires sowing the seed. Planting the word of God. By speaking to people about Jesus Christ. These verses this morning. You will see the word hear or listen. Is mentioned nine times. So it's very important. That we are listening and hearing. With open ears. And an open heart. And the use of this word doesn't simply mean just listen to this, hear it, and that's it, walk out the door. It's saying listen with a spiritual understanding, an understanding with interest in starting to apply this to your life. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In the beginning verses of chapter 8, we see the mention of the ministering woman. These verses really impacted me on my trip down here to Frontier School of the Bible. How I had to start to think about what this really meant. Follow along with me on the first three, first three verses. It says, Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city 
and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chazza, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. These verses, as I said earlier, helped me to able to understand what God was doing in my life as he called me to Frontier School of the Bible and into ministry. Just before I left Ireland, my last Bible study that I was teaching, at the end, a lady got up and came, shook my hand, and in her hand was $20. And she said, take this. And I said, no, no, I'm fine. And she said, please, take this. Don't rob me of my blessing. I didn't understand this. I then came here and started to stay and stay. And as I started to stay, my mom started to support my ministry. And that started to really hurt me. And then a lady in Wyoming heard me preach. And she started to support us in our rent. I really started to get on my knees and say, Lord, this is crazy. How can I receive money from women? I didn't realize what this chapter, this verses were saying to I was sharing with a group of men as they said, what can we pray for you about? I said, this is really hard. I don't want my mom supporting me. I want to work. Wish the Lord would change my visa situation. I've got women wanting to support the ministry. They were partially supporting us. And he took me to these verses. It says they were contributing to their support for their pri- for their private me- from their private means. These women were supporting the ministry of Jesus and his 12 disciples. As they went on, I had a better understanding of what God was doing. He also gave me a definition from Warren Worsby. It says, ministry takes place when divine resources meets human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And that stuck with me for months, and I eventually broke that down to see what God was trying to tell me. That this calling into ministry, His divine resources would meet my needs through human channels. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 19, it says, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which literally means the fruit, which increases to your account. And that's what that lady meant when I was not wanting to take her money. She was being obedient to what God had asked her to do and gave that to me. So today I want to really focus on this parable that we're going to look at. So if you would follow along with me here, and I want to explain a parable. A parable is a story that teaches something new by putting the truth alongside something familiar. That was a definition, again, from Warren Worsby. We have a lot of farmers here and ranchers, and so they have an understanding of the seed that's mentioned here, the sowing of seed. We all believe that these little seeds that you see here on the platform, if they're planted, they will produce fruit. So my question is, how, how do we know that? How do we know that these seeds, these little dried-up things, if you put them in the ground, they're going to produce fruit. 
How do you know that? But we believe that, don't we? Everybody now, is, a lot of people are doing their vegetable gardens, toiling up the soil, getting it ready, and they're putting these dried up seeds, or similar ones, into the ground. And they believe that it would produce the fruit they're looking for. Right? They're sowing the seed. But how do you know that this is going to work? What is the seed that God is talking about here? Jesus is talking about in this parable. We're going to have a look at that. Verse 4. When a large crowd was coming together and those from various cities were joining him, he spoke by way of a parable. Remember what a parable is? Teaching something new by putting the truth along something familiar. This was very familiar for them. But I had a thought about... I thought about this, various cities were joining him there. Different people, different towns, different maybe cultures, different backgrounds. But they were following him and it's the same story for every one of them. All the various cities and towns that were following him. Some would respond differently to the word. But the story remains the same. Jesus is wanting you to know that this life of faith is not an intellectual walk with Him or an understanding of the principles of the Word. It is personal. It is about the way you live in faith. Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see in the parable, we see the parable is laid out in chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Then there's the question, what does it mean? In verses 8 and 9. And then Jesus' answer in verse 10. So who is the sower that went out to sow? As this is written at this time, who is he saying is the sower that went out to sow? That is Jesus. He's out there sowing the seed, the word of God. So who is the sower now? As we're reading this today, who is the sower that's going to take these seeds and sow the seed today? It's us. You are the sower. God's people who share the word of God. So what is the seed that he's trying to talk about here? The seed is the word of God. Are you sowing the seed of God's word in people's lives? And do you really believe this will change people's lives? If you believe a seed here, if you put it in the ground, is going to produce your fruit, do you believe the same if you put, sow the seed of the word of God? That it will change people's lives, change their marriages, change their whole dynamic. This produces fruit, healthy fruit, strong fruit, lasting fruit. It produces much fruit. We just, God is saying, go and do it. Just do it and believe that the seed will produce fruit. The word of God will produce fruit. What are the soils representing here? The soils are representing people, human hearts. 
If they are prepared, they can receive the seed. That is the word of God and start producing fruit. See, it's our calling. We have the understanding of the mystery of the word of God. We're called to sow the seed into people's lives. We have four soils here and different responses to the word. Three of these soils, their hearts do not receive the word, the living water. The word did not get rooted. No fruit was produced. You see, the proof of salvation is in the fruit produced and not just being people that are hearing the word or making a profession of faith in Christ. You've got to be more than saying words. Let's have a look at the first soil in verse 5. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. This person who hears the word, but allows the devil to snatch the seed away. This person's heart has been trampled and become hard. You see a path along places where, if you're planting your vegetable garden, where you walk in between your, your lines, we're a hard path there. You see around where the farmers have sprinkled the seeds, some they've fallen along the path. They're still on top of the surface. Some people's lives, they've been trampled all over as they've been growing up. They've been hurt. Their heart is hard. We have to be careful to what we listen to, what we look at, and who we allow to walk alongside us. The birds of the air represent Satan and his demons who attempt to remove any trace of the word, the truth, the seed from whom those that were exposed to it. They're very active. They're out there and they want to remove what you believe and trust. But also reminds me too, if we're out there sowing the seed, the word of God in people's lives, and you get in that time when you get sharing with them, you get to see where their heart is at, what they've been going through, what they're struggling with. And you know, you have to invest a little bit more. You have to keep an eye on them. I don't want to see anyone lose what they just believed in. Verse 12, which is the answer to verse 5, says, Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. It is so sad. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verses 1 and 3 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Let's have a look at the second soil here. Verse 6. The other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. 
Some people receive God's word with joy, excitement, and grateful hearts. But initially, these people are not firmly rooted in the word either, or with Jesus. And so their belief is superficial, it's shallow. Their enthusiasm, their disciplines, their focus, and commitment fades. And it disappears under trials and challenges that they face. When prayer is not answered the way they would like it or quick enough. Or when temptation draws them. Or success. They start following God, trusting Him, and God blesses them. But they take all the glory. They start to think, you know, I did this. I don't, do I really need God in this? My life has taken a great good turn. They have no time for the Word because they are too busy now. It reminded me of an Irish joke in Ireland. It says this Irishman was trying to get to an appointment. He was driving around and around and he was really getting late now and he needed a parking. So as he came around the corner, he thought, well, I'll pray and ask God. He said, God, if you would find me a parking, I'll give up me whiskey. And as he came around the corner, right outside the front door of the building, there was a parking. And as he saw it, he drove in. He said, never mind, Lord, I found me own parking. Their root does not go down deep enough. And when the sun, the heat, the testing of life comes, all these professing believers fall apart. It exposes them, their shallowness and, and their falseness. Verse 13, those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while and then in time of temptation fall away. We've got our work cut out for us if we start sowing the seed. He's telling us how some people receive it. I've met people and had the privilege of leading them to, through the Scriptures and they accepted Jesus Christ and their Savior. But I didn't stick hard enough with them and they fell away. In fact, this morning after the first service, a lady came up to me at the door and said, my husband was one of those soils. The third soil, verse 7. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. This person illustrates a person that has not repented, not changed his or her ways or attitudes to living a life that reflects Jesus Christ abiding in them. They have not weeded out the things that hinder them from maturing or being ambassadors for Jesus Christ. They keep company with people that are drawing them back to a life of sin. Their lives are choked. Verse 14, worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. And as we're going through these soils, be open, be honest, and humble before the Lord. Where are you at yourself personally? See, if you don't take care of the garden, the weeds will entangle your seeds and smother them, and they will not produce fruit. I remember when, just before we left LaGrange, Linda and I decided we got to plant a vegetable garden, and those that were in my experience in God class 
I brought you a, a seed, some of the seeds we were planting. And I couldn't believe how like carrot seeds are. M- microscopic nearly. And you put that in the ground and you get these long oranges. Mine weren't very good. They were a little bit odd shaped. But it, it's incredible. But I remember Linda saying when we had made these lovely little mounds and little paths to get to them. In two days she looked out the window and it was covered in weeds. And that she spent the whole summer pulling out weeds. Raking the weeds out. It's a chore. It was hard work. But it was worth it. We, we ate the fruit of it. We ate our own vegetables. But she had a toil. She had to work at keeping those weeds out. The thorns out. So we have to do that with other people too. If we're sowing the seed in people's lives, the seed is the Word of God. But you can remember how you received the Word of God and how long did it take for you to get going? What did you go through? The challenges and the trials and the things you faced. Be ready to be there as a support for these other people. People today have allowed their hearts to get crowded by following a worldly life. Being so busy and neglecting time for the Word and for family. Families are really suffering. This person comes close but does not produce fruit, lasting fruit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 3, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able, for you are still fleshly. Galatians five sixteen says, But I say, Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. In Hebrews chapter 5, it says, For those, no, sorry, for, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice, their senses trained to discern good and evil. Because of practice. If we get out there and sow the seed, the more we do it, the better we get at it. The better fruit we will see. In other words, let's not just talk about it. Let's not just listen all the time. Let's not just hear. He uses the word nine times here. Hear. One should be walking with the Lord and just do it. Do what He's asking us here. Sow the seed. Be the sower. Surrender to the Holy Spirit that's living within you. Let's take a look at the fourth soil. Verse 8. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times greater. And as he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Do you have ears to hear? Let him hear this. Now this week as I took my own challenge to share with three people, I got to meet with two of them through the week and I, I never got to find a third one. Yesterday I went for a run around past the hospital towards that 
home there. I think it's called the village around their pond. And uh, as I was running there, there was a man coming on a walker, older man. And I went, good afternoon, sir. And he just ignored me. I thought, oh, okay. That's not going to be my third person. And I ran around the pond and came back, and uh, here he was coming back. And as I got closer to him, he said, wow, there's more of you. So I stopped, <laughs> and I looked around. <laughs> and I, I nearly thought, well, I did think, well, this is, this is no time talking to this guy. And, uh, and then I just felt the Lord check my heart. Why not? So I said, hi, my name's Wayne Mundell. And he said, hi, I'm John. I said, that's great. He says, so what do you do? And I said, well, I'm pastor at Monument Bible Church. Is that so? He says, tell me, are we living in the end times? Wow. Well, 35, 40 minutes later, I shared my testimony, talked to him, and he knew a lot about the Bible. And it was a great time to visit with him. And he said, well, I'll see you along this path sometime again. I said, you bet. So this afternoon, I'm going to be out there to find him again. But you just never know. But if you're asking and seeking God to do that, you will be sowing seed. It's exciting. And produce a crop a hundred times as great. So take a challenge. Look at the seed. You believe that's going to produce you fruit? Oh my goodness. You've got to believe this is going to produce a hundred times more. Saved. This person is saved and fruitful. A spiritual man or woman reflects the word of God in their life. Galatians 5, 22 through 26 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against all such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Let us walk by the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to talk to you within. Like Lisa, they took off. They don't stop for picking up here. They had their kids in the car too. She listened to that Spirit. She got to experience and encounter God through a stranger. He encouraged her about prayer. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Who's the sower? What do you think Christ wants to do with you? He wants to take you out there to sow the seed. Because that's what he's talking about here. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. He loved me and gave himself up for me. Oh my goodness. Don't you want to sow this seed more than anything else in your life? He died for us. He went to the cross. And he's saying to us here, listen, those who have ears to hear, hear this. Go and sow the seed of my word. God's word takes root in hearts and lives that are prepared to receive it. God's word can take root in the heart of a life that a person is wanting to be honest with God. 
about one's need for a Savior. There are people out there that so want a Savior. They so want the truth. God's Word can bear fruit in genuine followers whose lives testify to the reality of faith. I have more faith in, in the Word of God than in that seed. And then I asked Doug Keener when I came in, why, why is there pink and green seed? I've never seen that before. He says, because there's poison on it. Oh my goodness. So they can kill the bugs in that, that goes into the soil. He also said that they found that they were destroying the butterfly population. So they mix poison seed with normal seed. And when I was being told that in the corridor, a lady heard it and said, but how does the butterfly then know which one's poison and which one's not? He said, that's an amazing thing. also made me think about how God, His Spirit in us, gives men and women the ability to figure out things. We're losing our crops to diseases underground and then they find a way you can put a coating on this seed that can stop that being destroyed. Isn't that incredible? It's one of those bugs, is it? <laughs> Give them a seed. I have a lot more faith in the Word of God and I want to see the Word of God produce so much more fruit. But if we stay silent, if we don't plant the seed, it's, it's, not, going to, it's not going to work, is it? Those that are truly rooted in Christ will persevere and bear fruit. You've got to persevere. You've got to like prime that pump. That guy had to make the choice. Believe what that letter said. Put the water in the pump. Would you believe that? Would you trust that? And you're dying in the desert of thirst. Would you just take the cup and down it? Or would you believe what it was said? I had to think about that this week. And then it's, you're priming and it's, nothing's happening. That's a fact. When I've been out, I'm, I'm pumped, I'm excited, I want to share Christ with someone. And it's just nothing happening. I'm getting frustrated. I've got to keep persevering for God to bring the, someone. That fruit may include winning others to Christ. Money given to God's work, good works, Christian character and praise to the Lord. There are many ways that you can be producing fruit in your life. People are watching us all the time, seeing what we do and how we react and respond to things in our life. Hospitality. They will drink the living water, the word of God. This person has a heart that is not divided like the other soils we saw. Those people are very divided. Our response is determined by how much we recognize Jesus' as sacrifice. Do you remember that verse last Sunday? There is no greater love than the one, sorry, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Do you know that's what we're doing? We're trying to get out there and lay down our lives for others. In the next verses, it Jesus talks about this lamp in verses 16 through 17. He reinforces the previous parable of the example of the good soil. Those that have heard word, heard the word and responded in saving faith have the light of truth, the gospel, and it should be seen by others and invited in to hear the good news. Our light is to be seen, not hidden. Jesus Christ abides in us. We're shining a bright light. We should be shining a bright light. We shouldn't be hidden in our homes. We shouldn't be 
not going out and sharing the word, sowing the seed. God wants us to be displayed. He doesn't want us to be put under the table or hidden. We are the light that reveals darkness in this world. You know, when I used to visit some of my customers, and then I'd get around them for a while, and all of a sudden they would start using bad words and stuff, and then they'd go, oh my goodness, whenever you're around, I, the worst comes out of my mouth. What is that? He recognized there's a difference in me, the light and him in the darkness. But he started to sense that, and the more I spent time with these guys, the more they started to stop and think of what they were saying. Verse 18. So take care how you listen. Are we listening carefully to what God is saying? As believers, we need to hear the word, to listen carefully to the truth God is telling us. If we are not obedient and faithful to what we do know, why should we expect to receive? Why should we expect to see God answer our prayers? You have to believe that sowing the seed of the Word of God will produce fruit in people's lives. Hearing the Word of God is twofold. It has a twofold responsibility. You receive it, and you should share it. You should sow the seed. As believers, we have been given this insight to the Word of God. As we read the Word, we understand it. It helps you move closer to Christ and trust Him more. Verses 19 to 21, Jesus teaches us another deep truth here and explains who true family is. Those who hear the word of God, those that go and do it. Those are his words. Go and do it. Verse 21, it says, But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. It's exciting. This is an exciting parable to get a grip of. We are the sowers of the seed. And he's saying, go and sow the seed. Sow the word of God in people's lives. In James chapter 1 it says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. An effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. To understand a parable and to benefit demands honesty. You have to be honest with yourself and God now. Humility on your part. I believe that we should trust and obey just like that man had to trust the note to put the water in the pump to see the the abundance of living water come through for him. You have to believe what the Word of God is saying here and start to sow the seed. With our heads we gain knowledge, but with our hearts we apply what we have learned. We have to be obedient to what we hear Don't be scared like the man priming the pump. You know, remember John the Baptist? We looked how 
he sent his disciples to go to see Jesus and he asked, are you the one? He started to doubt. He had uncertainty come into his life. As we go out to sow the seed and you don't think you're not going to be challenged by the demons and Satan. You've got to be persistent. So as we look at communion now, I'd like to call the elders and deacons to gather together. Again, Jesus wants us to be obedient in this. Regarding the Last Supper, the scripture says, The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you guys, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we've got to be out there. I want to encourage you again and challenge you again this morning to go out and sow the seed. Share the word of God with three people and send me an email. Love to hear it. It's encouraging to see what God is going to do in your lives. Let us pray. Father, help us to all prime the pump until the living water comes out. Our Lord, bless us with courage to go out and proclaim your death until you return. Lord, help us to plant the seed. Jesus, you said, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we take the bread and the juice, Lord, let us do this together and bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.